Transformers, the breakthrough car, ute, and 4x4 and SUV models that no one knew they needed or wanted until they arrived. Game changers that altered the course of history. Welcome. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me to discuss the icebreakers that raised eyebrows and dropped jaws around the world are Adventure Editor Marcus Craft. G'day, Crafty. Hey. And key contributor Dave Morley. Hello, Dave. G'day. And stay with us because we'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and unearth the comment of the week, not to mention being on standby to respond to feedback in the YouTube live stream. Big thanks to Tim Nicholson for hosting last week, but now let's get into it. It was, in fact, regular viewer Fat Man Over Landing that suggested this would be a good podcast topic. So well done, big fella. Uh, we're on it thanks to you, Dave and Crafty. We've each put together a short list of vehicles that we believe transformed the automotive landscape. And the plan is to circle around the group, uh, keep it moving, detailing each one as we go. So Crafty, can I start with you? Kick us off. What's your, what's your first game changer? Sure, mate. Um, and, uh, and welcome to Dave, mate. Good to see you've oiled your beard. Uh, it's, uh, it's like you call it a beard? It's just stubble, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think it's a beard with a human attached to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, for better or worse, I've, I've probably misunderstood the brief again, JC. But um, for me, I mean, uh, beyond all those things that I'm sure all of us have, have, have test driven at launch and whatever else, for four-wheel drives uh, that were, you know, accessible yeah. to the public um, first up, you've got to go way back to World War II. Um, Morley will say I was actually there and I was about uh -huh. 40 years old at the time, but I wasn't. Omaha uh, Beach, wasn't it? That's, that's correct, yeah. <laughs> uh, it'd, it'd have to be something, you know, like the Willys Jeep. Um, I haven't been in, in, uh, in one of the deadly originals, but... Um, you know that 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 sort of kick-started the the conventional four-wheel drive or SUV that we know nowadays, like something that could carry passengers, albeit you know only only a couple at the time, but also gear, yeah. um, and and something that was purpose-built. Uh, and I mean, because because uh, you know that stage things had to be you know economically sound and mechanically sound had to be made pretty cheaply and pretty fast. Um, I mean that that made a lot of uh, and, sense and in, at the in time. wartime. Ford was building them. Willys was building there were a whole bunch of people pitching in, and you know different companies making them. Unless I'm unless I'm wrong there, I think that was the case. Wasn't no, it? there was. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, look, that that's good. That's a great start. Let's let's keep going at about that pace. And and thank you, Crafty Dave. What's, okay. what's your first cab off the rank? I'm going to kick off with one of my favourite cars ever made. It's the Lamborghini Mura. Wow. And it gets the nod as a groundbreaker because it set the, uh, it basically invented the concept of the mid engined supercar. Every supercar now with multi cylinder engine and a mid engine layout, which is pretty much all of them, yep. owes the Mura a, a, a debt of thanks. A tip of the hat. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Very and, good. Yeah. It was, it was a fantastic car. I've not been lucky enough to drive one, but it, it's, it's still one of the best looking cars ever made. And, so, and it made those proportions popular and a, accessible a bucket list drive possibly yeah absolutely and um also i mean some say that the 300 sl going was the first kind of supercar but you're right mid-engine all that yeah. absolutely yeah. spot on all right that's good let's keep going you know i'll chip in with uh, my first two bobsworth uh, it's a, sort of an obvious contender but volkswagen beetle 
Um, <laughs> I think it changed a few things. Very Porsche got working for the Nazis, frankly, and it was simple, reliable, durable, affordable, but it was really the post-British, post-war British trusteeship that got the whole business up and running again after World War II. Um, 21.5 million uh, produced as a consequence, some at Clayton um, in Victoria, I might add, but in terms of a game changer, I reckon that fits the criteria. I would argue that. Would I would, yeah, Ooh. I would actually, and I'll, and oh, I'll put, and of I'll course put, he would. How <laughs> unusual! How unusual! I'll, I'll put the I'll put the Porsche 911 in the same category. Yeah, they were very interesting designs, and they've been very successful cars over the years. But I don't think they were trendsetters, and the reason for that is look how many people haven't copied them. Everybody, no one's cop, no no high performance car makers copied the 911, and no um, conventional, uh, no no city commuter car car for the masses has copied the air-cooled engine out the back. Fair call. Some, you know, 21.5 million people, some with us, some not, may may disagree, but I absolutely take your point. I take yeah. your point. Okay, good one. Let's go back to the start. Crafty, we're back with you. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm probably pretty boring in, in the realm of you blokes with your exotica. Um, I'd, I'd only skip forward a couple of years after the Willys Jeep and, and go the Landy, like the Land Rover. Um, light. Steel body, very durable, uh, pretty pretty basic, but again, sort of mechanically, you know, friendly to your everyday Joe uh, setup, so yep. people could uh, you know have a tinker themselves and sort things out themselves. Yeah, but uh, again, pretty cheaply made uh, in the aftermath of World War Two, um, have lasted to this day. I mean, that you know that that sort of straight up and down blocky design was was, was copied uh, again for better or worse down through the years. Yes. Um, you know, has has a real enduring and endearing quality about it. Still, you know, very effective four-wheel drives, in, you know, even in their original form. Yep. Plenty of diehard fans and, uh, yeah, often copied but but uh, but never bettered. More will say often bettered, but, you know. <laughs> shout out to the people of Boyle Street, Balgala, who had to put up with my brother with a tipped-over can of paint in the back of his series one that left a very nice kind of <laughs> tattoo style mark um, up the road uh, back in the day. So yeah. yeah, now that's, that's an absolute beauty. Thank you. Good on you, crafty Dave. Back to uh, you. Well, all, all I'll add to that is that, you know, Land Rover making, making mechanics out of motorists. For some- <laughs> <laughs> making, <laughs> making oil puddles around yes. the world. I've never heard that one. That's perfect. That's um, absolutely great. Okay. I'm going to, uh, leave the supercars alone this time i'm going to go with um the world's the, the car that created the front wheel drive hatchback which you know pretty much is everything now that isn't a big car um the renault 16 yep yeah yeah beautiful uh, i mean four on the column four on the column tls yeah. and ts's yes uh front wheel front wheel drive of course but absolutely a beautiful car and that flat floor Mm. Um, front and back was so unusual in period because of the the front wheel driveness and the hatchback door was a yeah. real a real deal uh, game break uh, changer. What do I want to say? That's that's so true. The other thing about that flat floor was it was made possible because the thing had rear torsion bar suspension. Yes, and they were actually laid one in front of the other. So the Renault 16 has a different wheelbase from right hand side to left hand side. As does the as does the R4, R4. That's, uh, yeah. behind me torsion bar suspension. Yeah. Absolutely, that's a beauty. Great. The, the, the only contentious point is that Volkswagen will try and tell you that they invented the front wheel drive hatchback for the Golf, but they didn't. It was Renault. Fine. Okay, you heard it here first. No, you heard it here last. Yes. Um, that's that's fantastic. Now, I'm going to chip in with another one. Now, I would argue this is very much a game changer, and it's the Mini. Um, 
Austin, Morris, various others, but um, Alec Isagonis, later Sir Alec Isagonis, I think uh, made a genius move. Transverse engine in the front. The gearbox was in the stump and lubricated by the engine oil or the, the same oil reservoir, front wheel drive. Simple, but uh, you know not so reliable uh, as it turned out. Three door. Then you had John Cooper getting his hands on it and turning it into a, a motorsport weapon. It's won Bathurst. It's won the Monte Carlo Rally, any number of other things. 5.5 million of them or thereabouts produced, approximately 200,000 of them in Sydney, by the way. Um, so that, I think, was a, a, real, a real game changer. All right, now, Crafty, back to you. Let's keep it going. This is good. Oh, I like, I like the momentum, fellas. Jeez. <laughs> uh, it's like me running a triathlon, but yes. a little bit faster. Yeah, um, sure. We're, we're a bit slow for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, before, so to avoid any hate mail or more of it, uh, the Land Cruiser has got to come in next. And that's, uh, again, that's only a few years down the track. Uh, uh, was the, I think, BJ, again, which I've never driven, and then the FJ. Yep. Um, yep. That, that marked, you know, another huge step uh, into the sort of everyday driver market, the agricultural market, you know, the market where, where, where people could get access to a, a four-wheel drive vehicle for work, uh, you know, normal life. Uh, they became, I guess, more part of the uh, mainstream um, then with the Land Cruiser. And, and you know, obviously that's a massive part of, of our history as a, as a nation yep. as well with the, with the Snow River scheme and that sort of And, mate, where I grew up in Bundaberg in Queensland, uh, you know, every, every farm had one. And if you didn't, you were busy, you know, waiting on one or you were trying people to buy a second in, one. So. People in Bundaberg wouldn't give a 4X for anything else. Hey, 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 what's your language, mate? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and you still see a heap of them around in, in varying states of decay as well. I mean, I've just been up there and, man, oh, man, you see, um, you know, I mean, David would go crazy up there. There's plenty of sort of backyard finds and, you know, farm shed finds up there waiting to be discovered. The, uh, the ones I particularly like, Crafty, are equipped with the cattle wrangling kind of big claw on the front. Yeah, the big, the big ball oh, claw. Man. Yeah, yes, yeah. They're, they're living and their the, best life, those <laughs> land cruises. And I think, I think, just really quickly, I think Queensland has the monopoly, and this applies to all vehicles, on, uh, on um, bloody bull bars that look like they've been someone's pool fence for, <laughs> for a little bit of time. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. like massive mesh thing, you know, on, on the front. And I you think know, I think it's from a certain latitude. There is a, a kind of government guideline in terms of which vehicle to buy, because uh, you get a certain part of Queensland, and that's all you see <laughs> is uh, is Land Cruisers. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Mm. All right, good on you, Dave. Keep uh, us well, going. I'll, I'll just I'll just add to that. In yeah. my experience in the outback, the only people not driving Land Cruisers are the tourists. Um, <laughs> but I will take issue with the Snowy Mountains thing, Crafty, because I reckon it was the Land Rover that built the Snowy oh, Land Rover. The Cruiser okay. only came in for the last bit. There was a handful. Yeah, but, but it tried and, to take all the glory. Yeah, you know, Toy Toyota's typical. Uh, Toyota's revisionist history department has uh, like you to believe that uh, that's the case, but I don't believe yes. it. So. Um, so my next one is the, is the Mercedes S-Class, not because of oh, the car yeah. itself, but yep. the way it, it has been used by uh, Mercedes over the years as a platform to introduce new technology that has trickled down. Uh, the first car in the world with ABS brakes, the first car in the world production car in the world with airbags just just for starters uh, yes. and and now you can't buy a car without those without those features even at 16990 it's true uh, so so that's the platform that that kicked a lot of that stuff off 
I think also it's worth recognising that Merck never really kept that stuff too close to its chest. They they gained an initial commercial advantage, yep. but then freed it up and made it available to others. So, you know, good on them. Um, and, yeah, the S-Class was the pun the pun vehicle uh, to, to kick it all off. Yes. Good one. Now, it's back to me. Uh, hold on. Where am I? Uh, <laughs> my, my next one. Yeah, here we go. Ford Model T. Um, oh, you know, put the world on wheels. And we, I think most of us know the, the apocryphal story about um, Henry Ford observing the Chicago Meatpacking Works, where it was a, a kind of moving assembly line and applying that to motor vehicles. So the car itself may have been of a certain specification, but the, the way he was able to reduce the cost of production uh, to make the car affordable, 15 million of them were produced. Again, 250,000 of them in Geelong. Um, and I think that really did make a difference, particularly in the United States, but that car went around the world and allowed people that maybe previously hadn't been able to afford a car, uh, they were able to, to get mobile. All right. Now, Crafty, back to you. It's, it's, it's in your court, mate. Yeah, what, what are we up to, boys? Four or five or what's going on? <laughs> I think you're up to uh, a newer car. A newer car um, rhymes with offender. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well, before that, can can I can I sort of mash two together that yep. that aren't really that? I mean, apart from being sort of British, uh, but the Range Rover um, also marked a bit of a change in, in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, with with permanent four wheel drive and and you know that that sort of more, I guess, uh, drivable, more sort of family friendly setup, you know, daily driverish, and then later on with coil springs and all that sort of stuff, yes. permanent four wheel drive. Um, but yeah, let's jump again. Oh no, a no, bunch no of keep, time. keep that one. Keep that oh, okay. one oh, cool. up your sleeve. We'll go Range Rover for this one. That's a beauty. Yeah, I've, awesome. I've forgotten the person's name who was the designer. One of you two guys will know. It's a king. That's it's a king. Was that that's him? That's yeah. him. You know, a really prescient move to recognise that there may be room for a, a comfortable um, four wheel drive that's a little more premium. And gee, his his vision has been proved uh, pretty pretty well correct. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing about the, the the rangey for me is that if you go out to a car park now, just just look out the window, go down to the shops. What's in every second park? It, it, well, two out of three parking spots. It's an SUV. Yep, and that was the rangey for me. Mm. Well, out crafty out crafty's windows, which is blocked partially by bars. I mean, there's just an exercise <laughs> area and and um, some weight training equipment on the other side there. That's um, right. That's right. <laughs> Dave, Dave, we're, we're back to until, you. Please. Until a few minutes ago, Dave was out there uh, working up a sweat. So, uh, uh, okay, yeah. Dave, we're back with you. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to nominate for my next one the E21 BMW, the very first three series. Now, you can argue that the 2002 TII did the same job, but this was the start of the compact luxury car. Until then, if, if a car was a prestige car or a luxury car, it was big by definition. And BMW had the smarts to say, well, yeah, okay, but what if we load something up uh, with all that gear and make it look nice, but keep it compact and keep it sporty? Wouldn't there be some demand for that? And totally. uh, yeah, there was. Yeah. Totally. So, and, so the, and, the first compact prestige car. And a, and a mega cash cow for the company at a time when it needed it desperately. Yeah, so well, it was a bold, pretty courageous move. Over the decades, the 3 Series has been BMW's biggest seller. There yes. wouldn't be BMW without the 3 Series. Yeah, that's true. All right, that's a beauty. Now, uh, back to me. And I'm going to say 
Mazda MX-5. Now, um, it's a late 80s or, you know, I think it arrived here in 8990. And I had the pleasure, as I'm sure you did too, Dave, I'm not sure whether you met him, uh, Crafty, Bob Hall, who was a journal in the US, uh, turned into a product planner at Mazda because he'd had this idea inspired by the Lotus Elan to make a simple, light, small, agile, high-quality uh, two-seat sports car. And it struck a chord. It was the right car at the right time. It kind of caused people to fall in love with sports cars again um, and did, did change the landscape. And you look now, the latest ND MX-5, I'm so pleased to say, is similar in proportion. I think it's even smaller. Um, it's just as light. So it made a real difference at Mazda. And I think it allowed a whole bunch of people to get into that that pure sports car thing um, at, a, at a reasonable price. Yeah, it was also, it was a sports car that um, didn't blow up because uh, prior to that it was it was mgs and lotuses and it was That's also true. it was also a sports car that you didn't have if you parked it outside overnight you yes. didn't have to bail it out the next morning so true so true it had all of those uh livability factors buttoned down uh, and yet it retained that nimble nature and that that amazing just a super fun drive it uh, also proved that you didn't need four million horsepower to make right. a performance car exactly right so so there's that Crafty, now I think we know what you're going to say. We're back with you. Well, I'm going to first talk about uh, what you've just been talking about. I, I don't have a lot of um, exposure to uh, indecent exposure to sports cars or anything, but I have I have driven uh, one of those, uh, an earlier model, uh, a couple of years ago. And man, oh man, a lot of fun, like yep. driving a go kart. Yeah, um, but you took it on your favourite four wheel drive path, though, didn't you? <laughs> Which, right. which would be a challenge for it, but I suppose it snapped it in half. It's it's still it's still seesawing on a on a hill somewhere on a boulder somewhere. Um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, okay, lucky number five. I mean, yep. we're gonna we're gonna skip through, and and I was talking to you about it off air yesterday, JC. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore you know massive technological and mechanical changes like air suspension and traction control and all those yep. sort of things. Yep. Jump all the way ahead to the new Defender because I, I think that was a masterful way to balance out the expectations of your, you know, diehard Land Rover fans with those of people who may not have too much exposure to it but may be in love with the romantic notion of off-roading yep. and that sort of thing. I think they did a really good job. It's, it's a really nice vehicle to drive on-road doesn't sacrifice anything off-road. Maybe it's a little bit too clinical to me with all of the, you know, with so much tech packed into it and so many sensors and everything else. It, it always makes me a little bit nervous to be, uh, you know, beholden to, to the elements so much. But, um, yeah, a, re a really nice vehicle. I think it marks a change also in the way because, you know, and, and again, you and Dave will say that you see more of them in car parks around the place than, than, than uh, you know, out in the bush. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But that's because, you know, it is a nice vehicle to drive. And if you buy into that whole philosophy, maybe you don't immerse yourself in the lifestyle, but you buy into the, oh, the totally. you know, the philosophy, then, you know, Dude, you can still enjoy it for what For it what is. it's worth, my last experience with it was a 90, a, a lower grade on those steel rims. And yeah. Gee, I love driving that that car, yeah. and I think they've made it look terrific. So a lot of people are attracted to it purely on an aesthetic level, uh, as right. well as its functional kind of abilities. Yeah. All right, that's that's beautiful. Let's keep going, Dave. Okay, we're, we're back with you. 
you're going to have to bear with me here because this isn't going to make a lot of sense at the start. Okay. We're used to that. We're used to that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for the uh, Chevrolet Corvair slash Oldsmobile Jetfire of 1962. Slash, yeah, something 1962, else. okay? Okay. Why, was, why were those cars important? Because they introduced turbochargers to production cars. Now, Go out to a car dealer now and try and buy a car that doesn't have a turbo. It doesn't yet. have a turbo. Yeah. It's pretty rare. You're right. <laughs> I mean, you know, followed. it was followed up by uh, BMW with the 2002 turbo, Saab with the 99 turbo, Porsche with the 911 turbo. Yeah. They were yeah. a few years later. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, the Americans were the trendsetters here. And, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a turbocharger is now a fact of life. Is it is it surprising though that trying to find a way to get more power out of an engine is an American in, uh, invention? You know, that's... Uh, well, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess because it came from aviation. So they'd been supercharging yeah. and turbocharging aircraft engines for a long time to increase, to improve their ceiling so yeah. that they could drop more bombs on more places. So again, <laughs> um, engineers work best when someone's shooting at them. Okay. So you start a war, <laughs> technology will follow. It's so true. That is so true. Innovation comes from wartime. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay. Now, craft. Uh, I'm I'm up next. That's your right. game, mate. Next. Game. I was about hey. to go back to you, Crafty. Jeez, Sorry about that. Call on yourself, now, mate. Jeez. Say what you like about Elon, but my next one is the Tesla Model S, uh, S because uh, it really did change the game when it came to electric cars. Tesla didn't make them affordable, but made them cool. Uh, they, they were something that became desirable and look at the proliferation of following models. Tesla was the pointy end, breaking all the ice uh, in terms of bringing electric cars to market. They also went hell for leather on infrastructure through the US and other markets where their cars are sold. Others are catching up now, and Tesla's under a bit of pressure uh, from, from competitors, Volkswagen, Merck, BMW, you name it. Uh, they're all over the place, but it was a game changer and has set a path for electric cars for, for this decade. Um, probably, but uh, we'll see how things progress. He really did. Um, you've got to give him credit. What you know, whatever you think about the bloke and, and you know the, the crew around him, you've got to give him credit for having rattled the cage, you know, and, and rattled the cage fairly yep. significantly because it really has sort of spurred other mobs into into action. And so, also which is what go, we need. To go from that first Tesla Roadster, which frankly was appalling. It was a it was a pretty ordinary car in lots of ways. To go to that Model S was like a quantum leap. Uh, it was it was exceptional. Um, all right, now Crafty, if you've got one more, I think it's a it's a crossover between your off highway world, uh, world rallying, and the Four Rings uh, brand that tends to occupy the prestige space. And it, oh, yeah, geez, I'm I'm glad you prompted me, mate. Hey, yeah. You're like the understudy on the stage when I'm doing a Pissed off in the, in the curtains, on the wings. <laughs> Throw him a line. Throw him a in line. The wings. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Put your trousers on. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, of course, and we're going to skip back a fair bit now as well, and, and, and Dave will know the, the year, the exact year, but, but the Audi Quattro, I mean, in terms, and not, you know, not a, not a pure four-wheel drive, an all-wheel drive system, yeah. But that, um, you know, that that again shook things up, and that, you know, that that established a, a, a sort of purpose-built, reliable, uh, I guess, proven down the line um, yep. system, all-wheel drive system. Yeah. Um, not not only uh, you know effective in a, in a in a rallying sense, but but uh, you know for everyday Joe driving on gravel tracks and dirt yes. roads and whatever around the place. So while it's you know it's not perfect, it, it, it marked a big change in the way uh, things were done. 
in For terms sure. of all drive. And, what's and it, not gave, to us, love. it yep. gave us fantastic things like WRXs and, and yes. uh, Evo Lancers. And even before that, um, laser TX3 turbo all-wheel drive, things like yes, that. Yes, which was well ahead of well yeah, ahead yeah, of the game. Yeah. Well yeah. ahead of the game in They're providing cool. um, automatic lane changing because that was <laughs> essentially second gear and some throttle. That, that was uh, the, <laughs> that was the front drive version. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> On-demand torque steer, they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The torque steer, yeah, yeah. just a little bit. Well ahead of its time. Now, um, so will Dave, a final one from you? Uh, I got nothing. I, I, you, crafty style on the Range Rover off me. Oh, you did. Oh, mean, sorry, you, mate. you did very briefly mention a, a certain Porsche model. The, the 911. Well, it's yeah. it's to me, it's the car. Like the Volkswagen, it's the car that proves. The, it's the exception that proves the rule. Gotcha. If you look at what other car makers have done. When they've when they've taken a 911, believe me, they've all bought a 911 and taken it back and disassembled it, reverse yeah. engineered it, and yeah. then they've run a mile because mm. the 911, although it's a very popular car and it's an icon, as opposed to an icon, um, <laughs> it, it's it's just not right. It's wrong. I love them. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I love them. So wrong is right. But yeah. to put the engine out past the rear axle is just it's so crazy. It doesn't even. I can't even believe it got past product planning, but you know, this, this was a long time ago. So it's 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 a really popular car. It's a really great car, but it's the car that nobody copied. So it's the exception that proves the rule for me. <laughs> yeah, it really true. is the car that said, "Don't follow me. Don't that's come right. down this." If, if you were sitting down to design a sports car today, there is no yeah. way in the known world yeah. you'd put it in that configuration. And in fact, uh, Crafty, you mentioned um, Audi Quattro. You know, some of those were so front engine that the engine was actually in front of the front axle and was just as extreme in the other way, um, <laughs> trying to tame. May as well have been in the in the car, yeah. Yeah, may as now, well have been in the boot of the car in front of it. Yeah. Good. I'll I'll wrap it up by jamming two into one, and I'm doing that because they're both about the way the cars look. Um, one of them is the Citroen DS, and the other is the Jaguar E-Type. Hmm. So you know. The futuristic look of that DS, I reckon if ever there was a car that currently was crying out for an electric motor swap, it's the DS because if it was designed now, it would definitely have an electric motor, but such a magical looking uh, machine. Um, and also the hydropneumatic self-leveling suspension, um, just a beautiful car. And also the E-Type, Dave, I know you're an E-Type uh, owner. Enzo Ferrari is alleged to have called it the most beautiful car ever made. Um, that XK engine as well. You had the likes of Graham Hill and various others succeeding with it in motorsport. Um, I think the fact that Jaguar has built six new ones is a travesty and shouldn't have happened, but that's just my opinion. Um, I think it should stay in history where it belongs. But um, those two are just beautiful and, and influenced cars uh, that followed them in no small measure. So mm. that's, that's, I think, a roundup of our of our uh, transformers. The only thing I'd say about the about the E Top is I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in Enzo Ferrari falling in love with the look of it. Fair call. Enzo Ferrari. <laughs> Enzo Ferrari. Remember, let's not forget, is the guy that said aerodynamics. That's yes. for people who can't build engines. Build an engine. That's true. <laughs> and he only built road cars so that he could keep yeah. going racing. Correct. Yes. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, we will now thank you, thank you for all that. I think it was a really good uh, field of cars that we came up with. Um, and uh, hopefully there'll be further discussion uh, down the track. But now it is time for <coughs> Cars in the Garage. Okay, we are back. And uh, Dave, mm. I would like to start the Cars in the Garage segment with you. 
Um, it is a, what do I want to say? It's pushing the boundaries of technology. It's all of that and luxury. Fill us in, please. I'm, I'm talking about the Mercedes AMG EQS 53, which is, I guess, fundamentally, it's an electric S-class with some, yeah. some AMG hot up bits. Now, everyone thinks that the minute a car is electric, it's been designed to save the planet. Well, let me tell you, this one hasn't. This is electric because that's how you make big power and torque these days. Yeah, okay. It's got, it's got in. If you unlock the mode that that, that it makes its most power, in, it's got over a thousand newton meters. Um, it, there's an electric motor at each end, so it drives all four wheels. Uh, it doesn't need a centre diff. The, the planet Earth is your centre diff. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, uh, it's it's loaded with creature comforts. It's got the full width. Um, Glass oh, cockpit dashboard thing. Yeah, uh, it is an amazing piece of technology, um, and it goes like the clappers. I mean, if you if you drive along at hundred kilometers an hour, and as fast as you can, this is just in drive. It doesn't have a gearbox anyway. It doesn't yeah. need one. Uh, just in drive, <laughs> slam your foot to the floor and let the let the accelerator off immediately. It'll still gain about fifteen kilometers an hour. It is. Wow. It's, it's ready. Your hat. It is ready. Be, if, you, if you leave hard from the lights, your hat will be in the back seat. <laughs> That's good. What was it's in drag just... racing? You used to used to drag for rego papers, and if you know the person in the passenger seat at launch could reach forward and grab the rego papers, the car was theirs. So was you, you were trying to keep them pinned in there. Fifty dollar note. Yeah. Well, that's a beauty. Good. Uh, Twenty eight um, grand though. It should be good. Fantastic. We'll 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 keep moving. The garage, your garage, Crafty, has been occupied by. Uh, mate, I had a um, uh, Isuzu D Max uh, LSU Plus spec. It's a new uh, second from the top spec. It slots in just under the um, the flagship X Terrain. Um, and it's, I guess it's, I guess it's the company's sort of really aiming towards the the recreational tower because it, it it comes up. I mean, apart from a sort of zhuzhed interior with a bit of leather um, uh, here and there to sort of bring it up closer to X terrain uh, spec, it has. Um, it's got the tow bar receiver. It's got the tub liner. Um, it's got the new uh, lane support switch um, that's that's easier to switch it uh, off and on if it uh, if it annoys you, yeah. Which it, it can tend to, uh, and it's got an extra hundred uh, kegs of uh, gross vehicle mass. So you know that's in, handy. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so in theory, you've got uh, a bit more flexibility in terms of what you tow. I'm I've I've been a fan um, of of the D Max in any sort of. There and it's you know it's not the greatest thing around to drive, but um, you know that that engine uh, is great. That Cummins engine is uh, is great, and it's just an all round nice vehicle to drive. And I mean we we spent a lot on it, uh, a lot of time in it. It was a long distance cool. test, Good. so so up to Queensland and back. Yep. Um, carrying a fair bit of gear. The LSU Plus, uh, I'll just quickly say, has a uh, an electric uh, roller top. Cover. Ah, fancy. I've never really been a fan of the manual one because it always seemed to gum up with leaves and dirt and grit and stuff. Well, it's also what, else you, what you tend to put in the tray would cause <laughs> most right. things to gum up. Yes, and not we, we won't go into that. But uh, I, I was impressed this time around. Um, there's there's yeah. sort of a better sort of uh, brushing system on the top. So as the roller rolls into the drum, 
it's sort of cleared of whatever debris you collect Beauty. off the road Beauty. and that sort of thing. But, yeah, good. Damn good. I, w- I wonder if the recreational tower, uh, given the photograph behind you, Crafty, is like the recreational toe cutter. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's a shot from uh, from Dave's recent uh, uh, toe family, test. Family slide, not. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Mum okay. was never much good in that falcon. I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> Didn't see uh, the style. There's a reason some of them were called Pursuit and another one was called Interceptor. That's um, right. Now, I'll finish us off with a Suzuki Swift GL Navigator Plus. So we're in the mid $20,000 bracket here. Well, under um, 100K, JC, for you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the engine yeah. is a, a stonking 1.2 litre petrol four. Dave, no turbo. Mm. Um, 66 kilowatts, 120 newton metres. It's a CVT for the, uh, for the auto trans and front wheel drive. The pluses I had that it looks good. I think it's an attractive car. This was in a very nice metallic kind of charcoal grey colour. It has real presence. Um, great rear room for a 3.8 metre long car. Um, I could sit bolt upright in the back very comfortably. Lots of leg room too, which was a surprise. Um, it's got blind spot uh, monitoring, active cruise, AEB, all of that at that price point, which is also very impressive. Um, on the minus side, you have to work the engine hard, and that accentuates that CVT-related kind of engine drone, um, which is a, a downside of CVTs. The rear door handles, they've gone for the tricky high location of the door handles for the back doors, which are just awkward. <laughs> they don't really solve that. They're, they're not solving a problem. The problem was, wasn't there. Um, no cinder armrest, front or rear. The hard door armrest for the driver I found a bit uncomfortable. Pretty firm ride. Look, to sum it up, it's not bad value for the price, but it's a less than smile-inducing drive, if I can put it that way. It's it's reasonably not quite arduous, but it's it gets a bit tedious to have to coax this thing along the whole time. So uh, there we are. Now uh, let's keep going, and we it is now time for comment of the week. Great. We're back. We are back with comment of the week. And Crafty, you'll be proud. It's Hammer Rocks. Um, oh. Hammer Rocks. We, last oh, week, um, Tim and co were talking about new releases that are yet to come in 2022. And Hammer said, look, Byron must be a huge fan of the Americans. He's even started to use their lingo. Because when did we start calling the likes of Ranger Hilux D-Max trucks in Australia? Here in Australia, they're not trucks, nor are they pickups. They're utes, mate. Um, Planes, trains, and dogs and cars then just said, I disagree. A ute was based on a sedan or a wagon. Um, everything else is a pickup or a truck. And Hammer says, agree to disagree. Um, I've always been called and known as utes ever since I was a little boy. And Hammer, frankly, we both know that was quite some time ago. And um, He says, let's not lose our national identity, for goodness sake. Next thing, you know, we'll be referring to our taps as faucets or the boot as a trunk and, and the bonnet as a hood. And Fat Man Overlanding joined in. Where do you guys stand on this uh, controversial naming convention issue? I couldn't care less. If Provided Fair I good. understand what you're saying, <laughs> provided you understand what I'm saying, yes. and I do have a habit of making myself fairly clear, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Same here. Same here. I don't mind yeah. that. What about you, Crafty? Is it cultural when, imperialism? No, when... When people started banding about the term SUV and stuff, I've, I've sort of railed against it in a minor fashion for a little while. But you know that's progress, isn't it? And I guess we're a, we're a multicultural world, so we it's okay. a global village. Yep. Um, 
There you go. There you go. Proof of that. You're proof of that, Crafty. David Crafty has spoken. I'm always, I'm always giving Dave sugar, so you know. Next door neighbours. <laughs> Look, that's. I'm glad we've. Well, I'm glad we've settled that one because we have reached the finish line. So it is time to say thank you, Crafty. And thank you. And thank you, Dave. Thank you, mate. And thanks to all our listeners and viewers, and to our production multitasker, Mr. Brett Sullivan. Thank you, Brett. His automotive addiction uh, is on display for all to see today because he's wearing a t-shirt saying, "Just one more car, I promise." Um, Jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. Thank you, JB27D, for your recent kind words. Much appreciated. And viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But uh, before we go, look, mate of mine was interstate recently. He's an old school kind of bloke. And to make sure he was up in time for a meeting he'd set up on the first day in town, he rang down to reception and said, I'd like a wake-up call. And the person on the desk said, you're never going to finish your project car. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez.